Hey there, everybody. Josh the Merc Rainer here, and I am bringing you a brand new episode of Oh, What a Marvel. The show right here on Merc with a Movie Blog that uh, talks about all things Marvel and the world of movie, TV. You know, I mean, lately we've been doing TV, but we do have movies coming up soon with Black Widow. But I'm not talking about Black Widow today. No, I am talking about Season 1, Episode 3 of Loki, titled Lamentous. All right, and uh, I gotta say, I enjoyed the episode um, overall. I mean, I'm not gonna kind of go too deep until after I talk more about it, but uh, I think it's the weakest of the three so far, but I still enjoyed uh, the episode overall. Uh, I thought uh, I thought they did a great job. There was some real good stuff going on in this. So let's uh, let's dive in. Let's see uh, let's see what's going on in the world of Loki. So the show, the episode starts off with Lady Loki, uh, who we find out later on uh, calls herself Sylvie, uh, trying to uh, mind manipulate the kidnapped TVA uh, Minuteman who uh, into giving up some information on the timekeepers. You know, obviously, both versions of Loki really want to you know find out more about timekeepers and get there. I get that. You know, they have a very similar goal. Um, I thought this scene had some shades of WandaVision. I don't know if you guys thought that, but, you know, we got Sylvie and, and the TVA agent just kind of in this, in this world, uh, we find out that uh, inside of her own memories. And as soon as Sylvie kind of breaks that fourth wall of inside of her, uh, of the, of the agent's mind, it felt like those scenes in WandaVision. Where you know they'd been doing something inside one of the, the the fake TV shows, and then that that fourth wall would be broken. And I don't know if they did that on purpose or not, but I really kind of liked that. You know, it, it just kind of brought shades uh, of that back for me. Um, and I loved Wandavision, so I thought that was and I thought this would be was a perfect way to do it because you know Loki, you know, involved with the magic and stuff. So it, it worked. I really, uh, I thought it worked again. I don't know if it was done on purpose, but, uh, I, I really enjoyed, uh, seeing that. And, uh, I, if you guys thought that at all, hop on, uh, on Twitter at movie blog Merc, or you can uh, check out my, my handle down there at JP Rayner. Uh, and let me know, uh, did you catch that? Is that something that kind of went through your mind, uh, as well? I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right. Uh, this scene is followed up by a pretty bitchin' hallway fight scene where uh, Sylvie just demolishes some other Minutemen. Uh, again, very reminiscent of other Marvel properties like Daredevil. You know, we got a real badass uh, hallway fight scene there. It seems to be something that they like to uh, really do. And this one I thought was spectacular. Um, the the actress who plays Sylvie, whose name I, I don't have at the moment, uh, did a fantastic job. Uh, and I thought the, the fight choreography was great and, uh, just the filming style that they did for it was, was all fantastic. I really, I really enjoyed that scene. Just seeing her just destroy those Minutemen was, was pretty badass. I have to say, uh, I, I really, I really liked it. Then Loki confronts her daggers in hand, but is interrupted by judge Renslayer. And then he teleports them both to a place called Lamentus One in the year 2077. Uh, this is one of those apocalypse pockets where she's been, Sylvie's been hiding out, uh, and this this place is about to be destroyed. Um, 
that's the last that we see of anybody from the TVA. Uh, the rest of the episode is just uh, Loki and Sylvie on uh, Lamentis, and that's it. Even straight to the end, because it's a, it's a, it's a cliffhanger, at, you know, at the end. So with that, I felt I felt like this because of that was kind of a like a filler episode almost, you know, like episodes three and four are meant to go together because of the way they cliffhanger. I don't know how, what episode four is going to look like, obviously, but I was, I was surprised by the way they did it. Now I loved, you know, all the character development that we get, which I'll dive into as we get there. But I just, it, it felt, and I think that's why it's probably the weakest episode so far is because it didn't feel like, its own thing. It just felt like a, like a filler almost, you know? So I don't know. And, and when you only have six episodes to work with, I feel like you shouldn't have as much of that, but I get that they really want you to kind of get a feel for this new character. I, I do understand that. All right. Uh, so like I said, they wind up uh, on Lamentus one. Now Lamentus, you know, if you guys know the comics at all, um, is a reference to uh, Lamentus Outworld which is uh, from the Annihilation Conquest storyline. It's a, it's a world that is on the edge of Kree space. Um, I am assuming that this is supposed to be that same place, or at least, you know, j- just because, one, the name, and the aesthetic of it. If In the comics, it has that kind of bluish-purple uh, coloration to the atmosphere, just like we saw uh, in the episode here. So I feel like that's really what they were going for. Um, and you know, obviously we know Cree exists, so this place could easily be out in that area. So I kind of like that they're pulling stuff like planets and, and, and worlds like that from the comics and putting them in there, just little Easter eggs for, uh, for the fans that know, um, there's, there was another tidbit that we got another little like Easter egg kind of a thing, uh, that we got in this episode, uh, that was Sylvie's crown. Now we did get to see a glimpse of it, uh, last episode when we first saw her, but here we get a much better look at the crown, and we see that it has uh, one broken horn. Uh, now, this is something uh, – yeah, here you go. You can see right here. Uh, as you can see, a broken horn on the exact same side, and here's the, the image from the comic. Um, this uh, happened in the uh, comic book series Loki, Agent of Asgard. So I like that they uh, kind of utilized that uh, that aesthetic for her with the uh, broken crown. Uh, I thought that was really cool. A nice little touch. You know, she's been doing stuff. She, she's been running from the law, going to these apocalypse wars. It kind of makes sense to me that, like, her crown might be broken, you know? I mean, I, they didn't explain exactly how or anything, and I doubt that they will, but uh, I, I dug that. Plus, she uses it as a weapon. They show her use it as a weapon at one point uh, in this episode, and very possibly she could have done that and it could have broke that way who knows but uh it obviously gets used it gets wear um but i i, I just like the the kind the, the easter egg reference there it, it, i thought it was really cool uh the two of them are uh, now forced to work together to survive because they are stuck on this uh planet and the the temp pad is out of out of juice you know they, they needed to recharge it if they want to get off of this place um and even though they have to work together, they're still trying to double cross one another in, in classic Loki fashion, which I thought was great because that is who that character is. And, and I feel like no matter what variant it is, it's still going to be 
that double crossing nature, you know, the trick, you know, the, the God of mischief, the trickster God, you know, I, I think it works perfectly. And just to see them kind of try to one up each other in that way, I thought was, was great. Uh, they eventually run into a woman. Uh, I guess they don't technically run into it. Uh, Sylvie kicks her door in and she gets blasted with a pulse, ca- a huge pulse cannon. Um, they discover, that uh, everybody is headed to uh, something called the Ark. It is this massive evacuation vehicle, uh, and the two of them decide, well, that I bet they have a lot of power. We could probably f- figure out a way to recharge this thing there. And so they head toward the uh, the Ark, you know, uh, specifically to uh, a train that will get them to the Ark. All right. Uh, so in order to get on the train, you need a ticket. And obviously, they don't have tickets, so Loki comes up with a plan, or at least a thing that he's doing, as uh, as she says later on. Uh, he changes his look to impersonate a guard. This is something we've seen plenty of times throughout the movies, where he just changes his appearance. That's something that he does a lot. Um, so he just changes his clothes to look like that of the guards, and it allows them to uh, sneak on board, you know, with uh, really little uh, issue. I mean, they really don't fall into that much of a problem that, you know, they're able to easily get on board. Uh, then, you know, they spend some time on board, you know, it's, it's a long train ride to get there and uh, they start bonding. You know, they wind up at this, uh, it's like a club bar kind of a situation and uh, they're sitting there in this booth and they bond over uh, memories of their mother. Uh, I, it, it's, it's kind of implied that, uh, Sylvie's version of, of, of Frigga died early because she's, you know, she says that she only remembers like fragments of her from when she was young. So I'm assuming that uh, she died at some point, you know, early on. Um, and so Loki kind of tells her a little bit about his version um, and, you know, tells uh, her, you know, she, she says, she asks about, uh, you know, if it was her, that taught him the magic that he knows, you know, and uh, then she kind of talks about how, you know, she doesn't really have that, but what she does have is that ability to possess other people's minds, which he is very interested in. Obviously uh, that's something he, you know, he would love to have. Uh, and then Sylvia, you know, reveals something I thought was kind of neat. Uh, it was real, like kind of, it just passed by. They didn't really make a big deal out of it, but um, they reveal that she's been keeping a relationship with a mailman, which I thought was kind of cool. I was like, all right, sweet. Uh, Loki does some drunken singing, which I thought was pretty wonderful. Uh, and then he did the classic thing from uh, the first Thor movie that Thor does when he's in that uh, the cafe and he finishes his coffee and he smashes the glass and he says, another! Loki does that too, and I, I cheered during that. It was fantastic. I absolutely uh, loved it seeing that um they get real deep you know with one another like i said they talk a bit about you know his mother they talk about love um you know he uh he compares love to an imaginary dagger which i thought was like as he's you know as he's saying this whole thing um i thought it was a beautiful sentiment uh it did kind of kind of like kind of go off the rails a little bit it, it seemed not to make a ton of sense but it seemed like a beautiful sentiment because <laughs> as he's saying it, I'm like, yeah, man, this, 
this makes a lot of sense. You're right. Um, but you know, <laughs> everything, everything has to end at some point and they do get discovered. Uh, and then they have to fight some, uh, some guards on the train here. And I mean, it doesn't go, it doesn't go well, you know, it does not go very well. Uh, Loki tosses one of the guards out to, out a window that, uh, on this moving train. And then he gets grabbed and just tossed right out the window. You just see him go, Voof, just zip by, which I thought was hilarious. And Sylvie realizing that he has the temp pad. She's like, oh, fuck. I have to go after him. And she just run and dives right out that window after him. I mean, you know, she wants any chance of getting back. You know, he's got the temp pad. So they, you know, they gotta, they gotta get there. You know, he's got, you know, she's got to get back to him with it. Um, however, that's kind of not going to happen now. Seeing as once they, you know, dust themselves off and everything, they discover that the temp pad is broken. It's it's just destroyed. It completely falls apart. Um, most likely from the landing, from the you know getting tossed out the window. I would assume because it was fine before. So now, what do they do? You know, the the temp pad is broken, so they can't. You know, they can't do anything. And if if they stay on this planet, they're just gonna die. You know, and I'm sure the TVA would love that to wipe them both out, but they're not up for that. So they have to come up with another plan and they come up with a plan to hijack the Ark and escape Lamentus One. Now, they don't specifically talk about this part, but my first thought when they say this is that's definitely going to cause a, a branch in the timeline because that Ark is not supposed to escape you know it's not supposed to make it off that planet um maybe that was their plan you know maybe their hope because i mean like i said they don't actually sp- like, state this but maybe that was their plan to uh branch the timeline get the tva there and then they can somehow you know uh you know beat them up take their stuff and and get a temp pad and temp pad out of there okay maybe or maybe it's just as simple as getting off this planet before it's destroyed and figuring out what's next I don't know. Uh, we'll find. Uh, we'll see what happens a little later on, <laughs> as uh, we learn that is not going to uh, work out quite as well as they had hoped. Um, so this is going on. They, uh, they like I said, they make this plan, and Sylvie drops a big revelation bomb here on Loki, and that is that. These TVA agents, like the Minutemen and all that, uh, they are actually variants, uh, just like her and Loki. Uh, and, you know, Loki's been being lied to, as well as everybody else, you know, uh, about how uh, he was told that the timekeepers created all of them. And they did not. They are variants um, whose obviously their memories have been suppressed or wiped or whatever. And this got me thinking. In the first episode, uh, I don't know how many of you caught it, but in the first episode, uh, we get a glimpse, a quick glimpse of a woman being uh, escorted through the TVA, and she looks just like Peggy Carter. Clothes, hair, everything. Like I said, it's quick, and it's from a distance, 
and we don't, you know, so it's, it's most likely just supposed to be like a little Easter egg, but it got me thinking, you know, if that's the case, why would Peggy be there? You know, and I've been thinking about this since that first episode, why would Peggy be there? And I came up with a few things like, Oh, well maybe, maybe because cap went into that timeline and spent his life with her, you know, maybe him being there caused, uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously him being there caused a branch. And so maybe the TVA showed up or something, but I've, you know, we see him live a long life and he's happy. And he talks about how, you know, he lived his life with her. She passed away. And then, um, you know, he came back at the end of Endgame. So, you know, how, how would that work? What would be the purpose of that? Or was it just some other Peggy and it wasn't that specific Peggy? Let's go with it being that Peggy, the Peggy that Cap goes back to. Okay. Let's just, just for, just for argument's sake. What I was thinking would be an interesting uh, little kind of hypothesis to all this would be that maybe she, maybe the time, the TVA did go there and they wanted to get rid of Cap, you know, because he, you know, he's there and he fucked the timeline up. Um, but maybe because, you know, he was supposed to just put everything back, you know, maybe him staying there, becoming old, wasn't part of the original timeline, you know, but maybe she made a deal with them. You know, maybe she decided to, because in that, in that shot, it didn't look like she was locked up. You know, she didn't look like she had handcuffs on or anything like that. It looked like she was just, she was walking with the guy. So maybe she agreed to work with them in some capacity. And since time doesn't, you know, like you could be there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like they say that, that minute, that, that minute man woman who uh, we see at the beginning, uh, Sylvie says, you know, you know, she accessed memories from hundreds of years before she started working for the TVA. And then she's like, you know, she going out for my, and it's obviously it looked like modern time, you know? So she's been in that, in the TVA for, for hundreds of years and hasn't aged. So Peggy could do the same, go there, maybe says, you know, I'll work for you for, you know, 300 years, whatever. Uh, you know, I'll stay here. I'll do that. And then you put me back when my time is done so I can live the rest of my life with, with Cap at that same point. That way it's like nothing was missed. You know, I thought that was just a really cool, uh, a really cool thing. So like maybe they were, and, and maybe they made it so that he had to do specific things. Maybe, maybe he had to, uh, affect the timeline as little as possible and then come back. And maybe after he came back, they wiped that timeline. They just destroyed that timeline. You know, they just, they just pruned it as they say, I don't know. Let me know your thoughts on all that. I know it's, 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 it's a whole lot of conjecture and everything, but, uh, it was a fun kind of thought process that I had that I was, uh, I'm curious if, if anyone else out there is, uh, is, is, you know, thinking about, you know, Oh, it looks like I got some, uh, comments here. Let's see. We've got uh, Elevators Not Worthy says uh, she could be there from the what if Peggy Carter. And you know what? That's possible. Um, I'm actually really excited for this what if series. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe this is the what if Peggy. And yeah, that'd be that'd be a fascinating, uh, fascinating uh, part of it if, if, if it ties in that way. 
Uh, we got another comment that says, uh, did Howard Stark go crazy and make a time machine for her to go back to Cap? Maybe. You know, uh, I, I mean, I could see Howard Stark doing something like that. So uh, I, I think that's definitely uh, a possibility. So I don't know. Uh, I like I like your thought process there. I like your thought process there. All right. So they make their way toward the arc. And this is probably my favorite uh, sequence in the entire episode. So from this point, when they enter this kind of like neo-noir, like Blade Runner looking city that's heading toward the arc, the entirety of this sequence is all shot like a, a, like a, like a one shot uh, where there, you, you don't see any edit points. Now, I'm sure that there were edits because there were there were spots in it where it's like when Loki falls down and then you get the cloud, you could easily put an edit point in there, you know, and it's covered by that that cloud of smoke. And there's a couple other points that are similar to that, but there's no actual like jump edits. And I I absolutely loved this, you know, this whole one shot sequence uh, following Loki and Sylvie through this city as they're, you know, fighting their way to get to the arc. And it was just like the cinematography was spectacular. Uh, the, the filming, the way that it was filmed, it was great. You know, uh, everything. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it just, it kind of really helped with the chaoticness of the scene. You know, a, a lot of stuff is going on. You know, it's, it's real chaotic. And they're, tr- they're trying hard to get to the arc. And unfortunately, uh, that does not happen for them as at the end of the episode, the arc, they get right there and then they watch the arc destroyed. It just explodes into pieces and they just stand there. Sylvie walks off and uh, Loki is just in utter shock and dismay about this. And then the episode ends, and I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Uh, I'm like, uh, "Is this really the end of the episode?" And this is where it made me feel like this was it was it was like a filler episode, or it was the first part of a two parter. You know what I mean? And I feel like when you're doing a you know a small show like this, you know, six episode limited type thing. Doing two parters like that, it's, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan. Um, I love the episode overall, but it's, that is the reason that I feel like it's the weakest uh, of the three. Now, maybe once episode four comes out, episodes three and four combined will be like the best fucking thing that we've seen of this whole show. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But as a standalone episode, that is the reason why I felt it was like the weakest uh, of of everything, um, there there was one other thing. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I love to kind of watch the credits during these shows because a lot of times we tend to get a little something in it. And I'm not just talking about the like after sequence where it's like you see all the imagery and everything. I'm talking about the actual credits where they show like the cast list uh, and everything like that. And I spotted a little reference to a, to a movie that I absolutely love called aliens. Uh, I'm curious if any of you guys caught this right there. As you can see, I circled it private Hudson and corporal Hicks. 
That's the name of two of the characters from the movie Aliens. I, I don't know which characters they were in the show uh, in here, in Loki. Um, I don't know if maybe they were uh, like the, the two guards from the train, maybe. But I don't know. I saw that. I was like, hold on a second. And I paused it. I was like, Hudson and Hicks? And it's specifically Private Hudson and Corporal Hicks. I was like, that is fucking awesome because that's from Aliens. And Aliens is one of my absolute favorite science fiction films. Um, I love it so much. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if any of you guys caught that, but I thought it was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, so there it is. That's the uh, episode three of Loki titled Lamentous. Let me know what you guys thought of this. Uh, hop onto Twitter at uh, MovieBlogMerk. That's at MovieBlogMerk on Twitter. Uh, you can also jump down into the comments right here on YouTube. Let me know what you thought. Uh, and if any of the stuff that I talked about here. Yeah, I know that this uh, episode's a little bit shorter than you may be used to. But, you know, it's just me today. You know, the rest of the crew couldn't make it. So I decided to hop on and uh, do a quick episode to get you guys a little something uh, for this episode. All right. I am Josh the Merc Rainer here uh, telling you to please check out uh, my site, MercWithTheMovieBlog.com. Hit me up on Twitter at MovieBlogMerc. Hit that uh, follow button. Go over to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, hit the like on this video, and hit that little bell so that you always get notified whenever we drop a brand new video. Uh, I'm going to be dropping new uh, trailer reactions. I'm going to start doing full film reactions. I'm actually going to be dropping uh, a probably next week a uh, full um, accounting, I guess you could say, uh, a, ranked, a ranked accounting of my uh, Tribeca Film Festival watches. So I think I watched 15 films during Tribeca. So I'm going to uh, do a video, uh, you know, worst to best, uh, in my in, you know, in my humble opinion, uh, of all the films that I got a chance to watch uh, at Tribeca this year. So keep an eye out for that, and of course, keep a, you know, come back next week for episode four of Oh What a Marvel. Thursday, seven o'clock, right here on Merc with a Movie Blog. So thank you once again, again. I am Josh the Merc Rainer. You've been watching Oh What a Marvel. Catch you guys next time.